Wait, 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 wait. LV, it's about to be that time. All right, hold on a second. Based on the date and the time, you gotta be talking about BS of the Year, right? I'm talking about BS of the Year, the official Fully Misfits Year End Special. Let's go. It's gotta be some negative air horns for that. If you guys know anything about the BS of the Year, we feature segments from what we thought was the biggest BS, both on the pitch, off the pitch, and even on the mic. And the way 2021 went, social media as well. That's a fact. <laughs> so what we want you guys to do is to help us out. If you found something that was BS of the Year worthy, Send it to us at Footy Misfits on Instagram. And if they yeah. do that, what happens, Ovi? We'll put you on the podcast, the BS of the Year episode. Give you a shout out. We'll have to hear what you say. And if it's good enough, hey, listen, man, I might agree with you. Yes, BS of the Year coming at the end of December. Do not hesitate. Get us your BSs of the Year. Let's go. And now, this week's episode of the Football Misfits Podcast. Okay, ladies, gentlemen, boys, girls, goofballs, and scumbags, whether you've been naughty or nice, (laughs) that time of the year (laughs) y'all know what time it is we are back at it again of course it is time for the football misfits episode 71 on the road to 100 i am your host lv aka paper fronto aka my rainy's black bottom aka buck nasty the sad spurs fan maybe not uh i can't say i'm the six Spurs fan but anyways i'm joined by none other than y'all know him uh, as the one, the only, the man who gets it done, the man behind the Instagrams, Mr. Misfit himself. Some of y'all love to hate him. Some of y'all hate to love him. I'm talking about Ronnie. Ronnie say it was good for the one time. I hate to love me too. From Coquito season, don't forget, stay strong, be brave. There we go. How could I forget Mr. Rum Coquito on the ones and twos? It is that season. It wouldn't be the football misfits without the man with the facts in a time of lies, fake news, as they say, which I'll be spewing, you know, that's right. The Spencyclopedia Britannica, the man with the Googles. Yeah, that's right. You wrong, he's right. How might know him as Spencer? I think I do too. Spencer, say what's good for the one time. What's going on, everybody? Peace and love, peace and love. Peace and love aside, rum coquitos aside. Ronnie, what was your favorite match of the week? Hours after we dropped episode 70 last premier league game of last weekend took place between everton and arsenal and that was some crazy ass game fam and a game that rafa benitez needed for his ass to stay on the job um why should i say factos factos ben godfrey should have been sent off for that not even an apparent for that blatant stomp on Takahiro Tomiyasu. I don't know if y'all saw that. I don't know if y'all agree with me. And if y'all disagree with me, y'all might be bugging. This game was also plagued by Richarlison not staying on side. It was like three VAR decisions that went against Richarlison. But by the end of the first half, Arsenal had the lead thanks to Martino to God. Second half, Everton they just came out the dressing room and things just clicked more so in the latter part of the half richarlson scored a goal that was not disallowed they kept it on the board equaling the game at one ohm and then damari gray what is that man doing shooting that it paid off off the outside post goes in finesses tomiyasu the um, finesses ben white strikes that with authority and gives Everton three much-needed points against Arsenal. 2-1 at Goodison Park. The blue side of Liverpool was excited for the day. They did lose to Crystal Palace today, 3-1, but, you know, neither here nor there. So Everton 2, 
Arsenal won my key favorite match of the weekend. LV, what about you? Okay, I, I don't know if it was just I watched a lot of footy this weekend or there was just a lot of good matches going on, but I think I've got like three or four. I'll try to limit it to just one. Uh, and if I had to pick just one, it has to be the Champions League Tuesday matchup, match day six of six between Atletico Madrid and FC Porto. So going into this match, Atletico Madrid were looking like they was about to crash out of Europe altogether. It was over with. Shit was done and dusted. They uh, took two mean defeats to Liverpool. Porto gave them a run for their money. AC Milan were doing what they did to them. And it looked all but over. I mean, in this match included as well, as there were no goals, all the way up until midway through the second half. Um, but it would be Atletico Madrid who would, in a in a match, in a battle where you got to, I guess, punch each other in the mouth and get it done and get it, you know, any which way possible, I think you can put your money on Atleti and that's exactly what they did to Porto. They took it to him. Uh, Anton Griezmann, I think, man of the match, uh, did basically everything, including getting the opening goal. And from there, things, I wouldn't say were over, but they definitely did get uglier. Uh, this was a match, I should mention, four red cards, or I should say five red cards, only three of which were given on the pitch. Uh, two to Porto players, Wendell and uh, Augustin Marquezen. Um, Yannick Carrasco also got one himself. Uh, Porto, Let me help you with that, Marchesin. I can't even begin to believe how bad I fucked that one up. Thank you, Ryan. I appreciate that. You can throw that in BS of the year, of course, in the category, the files. But Augustine uh, Marchesin uh, took a red card, as along with two Porto staffers and Yannick Carrasco. From there, Atleti were up 1-0, and there were nine men on <laughs> Nine men on the pitch for Porto and 10 on the pitch for Atleti. The funniest part about this was that Pepe, or as his name is pronounced, Pep, was not one of the men who got caught a red card. And neither was Diego Simeone, if we're talking about off the pitch. There was a huge scuffle. Uh, and then another scuffle just after that, a bit smaller. And Pep was the guy who was trying to calm folks down. Now, that's not the, that's not the Pep or Pepe that I'm used to. You know, this is the guy who uh, drop kicks for fun. That's his shit right there. Like it's the WWF, but that being said, the match is 1-0 all the way through until the 90th minute when Porto, with nine men, are just trying to keep themselves in it because if Atleti wins, they move on. It would be Atleti who had the stamina to last this match, um, catching Porto on a counterattack in the 90th minute, which lands to the substitute, Angel Correa, who ran half the length of the field courtesy of a ball from Anton Griezmann, as I mentioned, who scored before, and was chased by two Porto defenders who just looked like they wanted to go home. Correa buries it. It's 2-0 in the 90th. And Atleti have taken all three points. You could all but say they won the battle and the war. But it wouldn't end there, as literally two minutes after they scored in the 90th, Atleti would go on and get another counterattack. This time, Rodrigo de Paul basically taking the ball into his own hands, coming off on that and uh, the right-hand side there, uh, taking it, passing the ball to Griezmann to finish. Griezmann hitting the keeper, Diogo Carlos, and the ball somehow magically landing at Rodrigo DePaul's feet. And he's like, wow, an empty net. What should I do? I think I'll score. <laughs> Taps one in with the bottom of his boot. It's 3-0 in the 92nd. And the Porto coach gives a uh, sarcastic hand clap late on. But the scoring went in there in the 90 plus six, just on the last kick of the match. Uh, Sergio Oliveira would get a penalty, one that he would bury. But that wouldn't be all that was buried. Porto's Champions League uh, qualifier, knockout stage hopes would also be buried. Atletico Madrid three, Porto one. Simeone's men, hey, they live to fight another day. That they do. And with all that happening, let's just jump right into the Champions League. Liverpool beat Milan, and Milan are out of Europe altogether. So they're taking the Inter approach from last year, get out of Europe, and focus on Serie A and win that shit. They best to be, because uh, maybe, I mean, maybe it works. It, 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 we saw Inter Milan, as you mentioned, under Antonio Conte, taking care of business, going straight out of Europe, and then focusing on the league. Uh, that, that same season, you know, AC Milan, as you mentioned, were fighting for second for pretty much the entire season, almost trying to top uh, Inter Milan in the table, but fell off as Europe uh, came back on in the new year. Now, 
that could be the case here in Syria as anything is a go and probably the the closest title race in I would say most of the big leagues in in, in Europe um and it's AC and Inter right at the top so this could be a formula for success for Stefano Pioli's men whether or not they will have that success we shall see but other than that the only other game of note on Tuesday it was Real Madrid versus Inter Milan as that game they were playing for who would win the group and who would finish second as those two teams were already in the next round Real Madrid two nothing winners at home goals from Tony Cruz and Marco Asensio deciding the group yeah that match was uh I think a very disappointing show from Inter's midfield specifically Nicola Barello who did get a red card midway through the match uh Real Madrid are a team that you don't want to play at the moment. I'm not sure if, if that matters, whether it's in Champions League or domestically, but they're on all cylinders. Their forwards are scoring. Benzema is still in the form of his life. Vinny's finding the form of his life. Luka Modric, Tony Cruz, who scored a wild goal uh, at the weekend, or at, at the midweek against Inter, as you mentioned. Um, Luka Modric and Casemiro, they're all entering that sort of form where it's shades of last season when folks counted Real Madrid out. And they kind of just kept winning ties in the Champions League and kept winning and kept winning. And they look like that. But Inter Milan, a team who has also picked up form domestically, at least in the past couple of weeks, uh, looked like a shell of themselves as they got their asses whipped. Uh, very, very comfortable win for Real Madrid. Yeah, Madrid won to watch. They, they topped their group. Inter Milan obviously finishing second. They're in Europe this season. Could that be bad for them? Uh, who knows? But uh, sad to say, FC, FC Sheriff, their darling run, will land them in a Europa League playoff match fight, uh, whatever you want to call that next subdivision tournament that's coming up in a couple of weeks. Uh, while Shakhtar Donetsk uh, really failed themselves this season. Not used to them seeing, not used to seeing them just crash out a year altogether. I'm not used to seeing that either. But this Shakhtar team has just been too uncharacteristically in Europe. I would at least expect them in the Europa League, but hey, man, just sit down and think about what you did. And while you do that, <laughs> we shall talk about Wednesday, where the biggest headline was the inevitable. Bayern Munich, too much for Barcelona to handle, all while Benfica defeats Dinamo Kiev with ease. Benfica through to the round of 16, Barcelona are in the Europa League knockouts. Oof, it doesn't it doesn't sound any more normal the, the more you say it. Barcelona in the Europa League. Uh and oof. That is rough and tough to swallow. Uh it's just a huge pause. A huge uh showing of you know where Barcelona have gone in the past couple of seasons, you know, mimicking shades of maybe AC Milan, but most importantly if you point towards their biggest rivals in Real Madrid, team who topped the group despite getting rid of Ronaldo and continuing to stay strong and build and um, be a good, solid team overall, Barcelona have been slipping, sliding. Uh, Laporte or no Laporte, Bartomeu or no Bartomeu, it's looking ugly for them. And God damn, they're in the Europa League. Uh, them playing Bayern Munich was, I think we all knew it was going to happen. I think we spoke about it last week. Lewandowski, don't give a fuck what happened. Where Messi playing at? Uh, he wanted smoke. He wouldn't score, but he was on smoke, that's for sure. Um, in a match specifically oh. that was close. In a match that was specifically behind closed doors, which was, um, which is just a sign of where things are going. Germany being pro, very proactive with their COVID measure, measures. But the biggest point about this match, aside from the fact that it was 3-0 and Barca in the Europa League, was that Leroy Sané goal? My goodness, that shit was from looked like damn near the, the three point line. <laughs> if, you want to, if you want to call it that, uh, an absolute you know just a shot that you take when you have not a care in the world. You know you're playing a team that's down and out. They're already up one nil, and he said, "Fuck it, let me just take this here." And it was an absolute rocket. The first I would say in this past week of many. Um, Barcelona had to deal with that and deal with a Bayern Munich team who have been unbelievable at home and away from home in the Champions League. 
We obviously spoke about uh, their goal difference somehow always being higher than their points, even though they win every match. Um, and there was the same case here. They would finish six matches, six wins, 18 points. And you guessed it, 19 goals <laughs> or 19 <laughs> GD, I should say. <laughs> so nothing new here for Bayern Munich, no matter if Barcelona is in that group. Um, and uh, a quick shout to Benfica, who on the last day, like you said, beat uh, Dinamo Kiev with ease after drawing Barcelona in a match when they very well could have won. So, I mean, that was, like you said, the 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 main the main squeeze is um, on Wednesday. For a bit. How will they do in the Europa League? The first thing everyone was talking about was Barcelona versus West Ham. They have to go through the playoff before they get to West Ham. Could they even make it out of that? I think I, I think so. There's definitely a chance that they won't. Of course, things just aren't clicking for them at the moment. Even with Xavi as the new manager, we'll, we can talk about them at the weekend in, in a little bit. But you know, and even in the weeks past, um, they just can't get on the end of things. They can't close matches, and obviously, it's going to take some time for Xavi to really implement stuff. And but I guess it could go. It could it could very quickly go from it's going to take time for Xavi to implement a system to. When is the system going to kick in? So the Barca players look beat. They look, you know, just kind of just demoralized. I don't know. Uh, and that's interesting to see when you don't have, uh, when you have a new coach, because usually you get some, a bit of, you know, that, that pep in your step from having a new coach and trying to impress the new coach. That being said, I think that they can at least get out of the playoff round. They could get into the Europa League, but it's, the competition won't be any easier. That's the truth. Um, Barca do have the talent to make it far. They've got to watch for some heavy hitters in the Europa League. They're not the only ones that came down in the Europa League, yeah, um, or, or in the Europa League playoffs, if you will. Right. BVB are there, of course. Um, we should also mention that Atalanta are still in there, who in Serie A are picking up form, aside from the you know their Champions League campaign. Sevilla, y'all know how Sevilla gets down in the Europa League. Ronnie, Ronnie, of all people who, who, who you know, let's folks know Sevilla are, are, are those guys in the Europa League knows how they get down. This um, year, especially the finals at their stadium. Oof, that just makes things even crazier. So, um, Atletico Madrid obviously uh, save save themselves by the skin of their teeth. But aside from the teams that are currently in the Europa League, you mentioned West Ham, who have been flying. The ones that are coming down from the Champions League and are going to be in this playoff round or whatever you call it, there's going to be some real stiff competition in their boss. And you know, Barcelona are going to have to deal with, with real rap, and it's just a matter of. How soon can and how quickly can Xavi get his players playing well? And and then, you know, before questions start to arise of, is Xavi the man to get his players playing, you know? so That man needs time. How much time we shall see. But Barcelona in the Europa League, not what anyone wants if you're a Barcelona fan, supporter. But given the way the club is right now, they kind of deserve it. And hopefully... Maybe they can have a good run in the Europa League, but I don't know. We shall see. The way they're playing domestically, the Europa League might be their only hope in the, in the Champions League. You know, so they this might they might have to put all their eggs, as many eggs as they got into this basket. Which they're playing a two part war. Absolutely, yeah, you're right. And I think to be fair, one of the things I think that's most important about to, to take away from this is the Champions League. Of course, is the Champions League. It's the big boys' competition for a reason, but. We got ourselves a hell of a Europa League this season. Oh, especially the knockout rounds. When you look at all the teams who are there, the teams who won their Europa League groups, and then the runners-ups, and the teams who are going down, like you mentioned, Leipzig, Porto, Barca, Sevilla, all them teams. It's going to be an interesting Europa League to watch. So that's why I say it's not going to be a gimme just because your name is Barcelona. Yeah, for real. I mean, it's going to make Thursdays all the, you know, maybe just as interesting as Tuesdays and Wednesdays. Well, I'm watching Thursday Night Footy, fam. Absolutely. This will be a this will be a year where, you know, any big team can find themselves in the Champions League because they win the Europa League. And this won't be just Sevilla, again, doing what they do. Not, you know, no offense to Sevilla because they very much, they very well can do what they usually do in, in the Europa League. But so many players, so many teams, and so many players, so many quality teams. You know, you think of Napoli, West Ham have a chance still. Um, you know, obviously we'll see how the Champions League play, placed teams uh, can do in this knockout. But yeah, I think that's 
the most interesting takeaway for me is that we got we got some Europa League action. It's going to be an enjoyable tournament this year. I agree with you wholeheartedly. To go back to the big boys competition, we mentioned Atalanta are in the Europa League. Manchester United will always sit through the next round. So the game between Atalanta and Villarreal was the match to determine who would advance to the round of 16. The match was postponed today because of snow in Mad snow. I'm watching that, and I'm like, I'm thinking, how did this game not get canceled? And the Spurs match the week before got canceled. And then, sure enough, 20 minutes later, they postponed the match. <laughs> you saw snow on everybody's head. It was covering the pitch. They was they were shoveling <laughs> it. They, they were covering the pitch again. It was very interesting to see, but yeah. I like that me, Martin Darun posted after the fact. He said him, um, Zapata, and Coop Miners pulling up to the match in like, and skiing to the fucking grounds, which is crazy. That's how bad it was. It got pretty crazy, and it, it was in uh, Bergamo, so, right? Yes, sir. Yeah, it makes sense. Uh, but that was, yeah, that was, uh, as you said, a, a win in your in situation. This could have been another match of the week for me, I think. It was it was very close. Villarreal will, will go ahead 3-0, and you thought, there you go, let it go. Atlanta's in the Europa League, but um, Malinovsky has something to say about that as, as the Duvan Zapata, and it was 2-3 you know, in the 80th minute at this point, and anything could have happened. Obviously, Villarreal held on, and they're on, along with Manchester United, who topped their group. Ain't that some shit? On to the next round. But uh, another key takeaway, speaking of the big boys competition on Wednesday, Red Bulls, Salzburg, and Sevilla. We talked about Sevilla going down uh, to their bread and butter. Salzburg, in that match, which was a, a highly contested one, Sevilla with a red card, that's all they would take from that match. And Salzburg with a goal, finishing it 1-0. Salzburg's first ever trip into the knockouts. Yeah, man. Big up to Salzburg. They finished second in the group behind Lille. They defeated Wolfsburg 3-1 to put their place to the round of 16 as the group winners. Goals by Ilmaz, David, and Angel Gomez. Wolfsburg, a very disappointing Champions League campaign fam. Yeah, they, they didn't get done. Uh, on, on the day, Lille were pretty much the better team on all fronts. Um, but, yeah, I mean, it happens. You know, your, your boy, uh, Vekhorst, maybe he'll get another try sometime next year. Maybe. Yeah, maybe. man, we shall see. But Did we mention BBB going down, even though they won 5-0 on their final day? <laughs> no, because it was confirmed the, the match before. Right. <laughs> the, fact, the fact that they went out with a last-ditch effort. Scoring five goals. Um, didn't matter. It didn't matter. <laughs> didn't matter. Waste of time. Erling Holland just adding goals to his books. Um, Mr. Another, Champions is going to the Europa, which is crazy. Big facts. I guess to take away, I guess, as far as the group stage go, Ronnie, any big surprises? Group H. We got to talk Group H. Oh, we done with, are we? we're not done with Group H, are we? No. Zenit, Chelsea, 3-3. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That was, that was a hell of a match. When Timo Werner scores a brace, you know the match is going to be wild. You know something ain't right. It, it was ridiculous. <laughs> and Chelsea, obviously, who booked their place, uh, I guess Zenit wanted, wanted to have some last-minute fun. Um, and, yeah, that was one of those matches I, I didn't even bother to put on because I thought it would be boring. Instead, I kind of tuned into the Juventus-Malmo match, which, you know, wasn't wasn't that much fun, to be honest. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, the thing with that one, Juventus won the group because of Moise Ken scoring pretty early in the first half. Shouts to Moise Ken. Shouts to those black Juventus jerseys. Beautiful as ever. Juventus goes through as group winners. Um, I guess what I do want to know is, as far as the group stage going now that it's over, did you see any sort of things that surprised you, Ronnie? Um, of course, Barcelona no longer in the competition is, you know, Raises some arms. Same with Dortmund. Um, the surprise run Sheriff's had to start the Champions League definitely took my attention. Because when you beat Real Madrid in the Bernabeu, regardless of whether or not it's a construction site, it's still massive. Facts. Or should I say factos. <laughs> so that was a nice little shock. Um, nice thing to watch in the Champions League campaign this year. Um, Sebastian Aller washing the competition, scoring off the rip in every single game as Ajax finishes perfect. And then Manchester United, like, yeah, they finished top spot, 
the blind fan will be like, yeah, they finished top spot. What else do you want? But the footy fan who watches like, yeah, this team is still suck. So, you know, I think that's definitely more credit to Ronaldo than anything. Um, but I think I'm with you. The biggest thing for me is Sebastian Aller. 10 goals in the group stage. He is on fire. Jeez. And they left him off the Europa League roster last year. Ain't that some shit? That's crazy. West Ham says, see ya. You know, and man, he is doing whatever he wants. He's in the form of his life, not only in the Champions League, but domestically. But I think that's a huge surprise for me. I think uh, Atletico Madrid, as poor as they were in the group stage, that was interesting to me to see. Um, obviously, we can say that the group that they were in, along with AC Milan, who you saw struggle, was a very tough group uh, for everyone except Liverpool. Um, but as the group went on, I think they just got you know, worse and worse. That first match against Liverpool, where they lost 3-2 in a very close contested match, a penalty to, to decide it. I think that kind of did it for them. And from there, they just kind of slowly dropped off in form until they had to win. But they made it through to the next round. But I think those two things are interesting to me. BVB, I just lost faith in very much. I didn't see Ajax beating them both times, though. Um, but they've definitely uh, had some defensive issues and still do. And then whenever Erling Haaland is injured, obviously you can assume that things are going to be tough for them. Yeah, a lot of young talent for BVB is injured, not just Haaland, but you also had Gio Reyna, who probably could have been a defense maker up the top in the attack. He was gone for most of it. So injuries plus a shit defense wasn't going to look good for BVB. That's a tough recipe, but yeah. And, and now we see where it's left them. But that, I guess that pretty much does it for the Champions League. I think it's too early to ask who's going to win it all. Obviously, we should, we'll wait until the, uh, the draw happens uh, coming on Monday. Maybe by the time this drops, we'll get there when we get there. Now starts the very annoying time between December and February where there's no Champions League at all. Yeah, we shall wait and see what the job produces. And in the meantime, we pretty much spoke about the Europa League at length already. Yeah, and I ain't got shit, I ain't got shit to say about both competitions, to be honest with you. We're also not getting a 3-0 win over PSV. I did see highlights of that game. Oriad Saval. Beast mode, as always. Also notice that Napoli defeated Leicester 3-2. The win puts Napoli into the Europa playoff. And Spartak Moscow, also in that group, won the group. And Leicester City are through to the Europa Conference League, a competition in which Brendan Rodgers don't know what it is. Yeah, Napoli doing the, uh, you know, doing what it do. Uh, in order to get where they needed to get to. Leicester, as I think I've said 50 times over the past couple of podcasts, just not having the best European season. They actually haven't been having the best season uh, domestically as well. It's been a slow start for them since winning the FA Cup in spectacular fashion. And it's not like they haven't had players, aside from obviously this past week where they had a huge sort of COVID um, outbreak in their camp, which is, you know, well wishes to all those guys. But... Yeah, they're sitting eighth in the Premier League right now, and Napoli hit him with the leapfrog on the final day. Uh, As Spartak Moscow, a team that Leicester has to hate to see move on after they put four on their head top. After I should say, Batson Daka put four on their head top, um, moves on. (laughs) (laughs) While uh, Leicester heads home with the guys that one nilled them in Legia Warsaw. So, uh, hate to see. They're heading to the Conference League. (laughs) How could I forget? The quote Brendan Rodgers made was, I've got to be honest, I don't even know what the competition is. The competition made the Conference League. In all fairness, I was focused on the Europa League and winning this group, or at least finishing second. So with all due respect to the competition, I'm not sure what it is, but I'm sure I will find out soon enough. Yeah, that's big factors right there. Brendan Rodgers speaking that that true shit. Maybe it's the competition level that Leicester need to be in because Europa League's Definitely seem to outclass them, even though, as I mentioned, they beat Spartak Moscow in such a fashion. They did beat Legia Warsaw on the second go-round, but they didn't win enough matches. And uh, the Conference League, I mean, it could be a very good place for them to maybe potentially make another deep run. And as Leicester do, close the deal. You know, they don't flake when they get deep into competitions against any sort of competition. Um, So this could be a blessing in disguise for Leicester, a team who didn't find themselves in the Conference League to start. But it could be a place where they very well finish in a high spot. So it could be a blessing to say that's for Brendan Rodgers, who's saying, I ain't never heard of this shit. He said, what is it called now? 
the UEFA Europa Conference League. Oof. What did he say? He's selling chocolates. Yeah, so. <laughs> um, speaking of the chocolate league, speaking of the <laughs> conference league, um, the biggest headline was off the field. Yes, Persis had a COVID Yee! outbreak. Let's get it. We in the news, baby. Pettiness ensued on a good Wednesday, Thursday afternoon. Definitely made my week uh, less boring than it already was. Um, I guess, Ronnie, shall I dive all the way into it, boss? I can get right into it if you want. Not much so, to get into. Spurs had a COVID outbreak, and Ren yeah. wanted to play a game, and they were happy, and they didn't. Yeah. I think it was the nuances of it that I'd love to hear your opinion on, as Spurs kind of kicked off with the pettiness on Wednesday when they made a statement. Um, and let me make sure I don't uh, misquote them as I pull up their um, official statement. When Spurs announced to their, I guess, to the public in a statement that they would not be playing, on Thursday against Wren, they said, and I quote, and they, the language that they used was very specific. So it was sort of ambiguous in a way. <clears throat> they said, and I quote, we can confirm that our Euro UEFA Europa Conference League, that is a, a lot of words, Group G home fixture against Stadrin, uh will not uh, will not take place tomorrow after a number of positive COVID-19 cases at the club. Now, the key words being will not take place. They didn't mention that it was postponed. They didn't mention that the match was canceled. They didn't mention that UEFA has canceled the club or has canceled the match. They just said it will not take place. That was enough for me to assume, all right, the match has been postponed. Very shortly after that, it was quoted by Ren, who said that the match is absolutely not canceled and that we plan on taking the field tomorrow at the Tottenham Hotspur Stadium in this UEFA Europa Conference League fixture. Amongst other things, they, they got really petty after that. But I thought it was very interesting that Spurs kicked it off in a way in which they kind of made it seem like the match was over with, even though UEFA did not make the decision yet. BS of the week from an administrative POV. Yeah, just it just it just didn't make any sense. And as as much as I would say Spurs, obviously there's a lot of parts to this. Uh, I would assume that Spurs felt that they could sort of move their weight around because you could they're quote unquote one of the bigger clubs <clears throat> in this competition you know uh, revenue viewership things of that nature uh stad ren obviously who already won the group as we mentioned was not going for that shit and basically said that yeah you can fuck out of here with that we are gonna pull up being very uh sort of uh i would say you know uh, insensitive to the COVID outbreak if you will um but Neither here nor there. I think as of right now, UEFA has announced that the match um, cannot be postponed and will go on. So I heard that this match, because apparently they have until New Year's Eve to find a place to put this match. There's no places to put this match. This is going on to yes. the UEFA disciplinary committee. Yes. Which, if we're looking at what they might do, it might be more than likely a Spurs forfeit. Yes, which um, I'm sure you guys know how I feel, but I say it on wax. I and I love it, absolutely. Three nillas, please. Let me go home with that. There. Um, yeah, I think the f interesting thing is the UEFA panel and the UEFA rules are really not trying to hear any extenuating circumstances. COVID-19 included, saying that these matches must be played before the December 31st deadline, even though there's an absolute entire month, uh, you know, and a half maybe before, you know, European fixtures kick off again in the new year. So I don't understand why they're being so stringent on this. It's very interesting. But, hey, listen, I'm not going to question it. This is actually what I absolutely prefer to happen. I hope Spurs crash out in any fashion. Obviously, I hope the players who have fallen sick of COVID, get well, well wishes to them. But if it means uh, at this point, you know, that UEFA will ultimately call a forfeit in, um, you know, in Bren's favor, cool with me. Get us the hell out of here, man. We don't need this shit. Crazy how the Conference League, the biggest news, is not even on the field, man. What does that tell you? The goddamn, as Ronnie told me earlier in the week, the prize money is 5 million euros. <laughs> I don't know. Um, 
Ridiculous. And then the, other, the only other thing that stood out to me, Roma, after struggling with Bodo Glimp, they finished group winners. Bodo Glimp are in the Conference League playoff. Bodo Glimp having uh, Roma's number and nobody else's. <laughs> North Pole FC giving Roma the beats. But we'll see who they face in the Conference League playoff. Maybe Midjaland. Uh, Scandinavian Derby, or maybe Fenerbahce or Leicester. We don't know. We shall see. Yeah, so, who was included in our BSN year last year because not one of us could pronounce that shit. Look how far we've come. Excellent. <laughs> so that pretty much does it for Europe. On to the weekend. Club football galore. Uh, it's, it's the, it is that time of the season where you get football on Monday. You get football on Friday, and then through the weekend. Love to see it. Absolutely love to see it. Where shall we Let's start? Talk about your bread and butter real quick, because every game that featured the heavy hitters was decided on a penalty. Man City yeah. defeated Wolves one nothing on a Raheem Sterling penalty against ten man Wolves, is because Raul Jimenez was red carded, which was some bullshit. But after he gets the yellow, don't don't do some shit. They'll get you another one. Chelsea would uh, would in a thriller of a match, another candidate for match of the week uh, would be uh, Leeds United, courtesy of two penalties late on. The latest one coming in the ninetieth plus four minute. Um, so Chelsea saw Man City and said, "I'll do you one better. Let me get two penalties." <laughs> Liverpool wanted in on the action. In Steven Gerrard's reunion, Mo Salah's penalty in the 67th was the difference. And I'm highly disappointed that Eddie Martinez didn't do some type of tactic to throw Mo Salah off his game. Maybe he didn't have that much respect for the Egyptian. one nothing, good enough for Liverpool. And the sad thing is, Emmy Martinez was a beast in this match. Uh, he kept Aston Villa in it all the way through, saving a Virgil van Dijk header in the 54th minute. Uh, I think a chance from uh, Diogo Jota at some point. He was everywhere. He was, you know, fast reactions. He was doing it all. And it all ended with uh, a penalty in the 67th minute uh, for them as Liverpool took, you know, the top points. You know, those three wins basically <laughs> gave, uh, you know, a picture of the, of, the, of the title race with City and Liverpool up top, City on 38, Liverpool at 37, Chelsea at 36. They have no room to slip these three. It's a true three-horse three race. The first time we've seen one in a long time, and it, it, it's getting it's getting very interesting. That it is, fam. So the title race is heating up in England, and I'm excited about it. You yeah. were shouting out Emmy Martinez. Have to shout out Tim Krul of Norwich. That man was stopping everything against yeah. Manchester United. <laughs> <laughs> he, sure, he, sure, he sure was. He stopped pretty much everything except the Cristiano Ronaldo penalty late on. Just to go with the theme of the top club scoring penalties uh, this weekend, the match would end one 0 as Ronaldo. Why are you just why are you shushing the Norwich crowd and the Carroll Road? And the funny thing was the Carroll Road faithful uh, Norwich fans recording Ronaldo as he's doing his signature celebration when he scores. Like, family just scored against you guys. Uh, no backbone have an ass club, man. Sad stuff. They were just happy to be there, as they say. Um, Ralph Tim Krul again. I got, I got to, you know, give him credit where it was due. David De Gea also had a good game as well in, in goal. Yeah, he absolutely did. Uh, basically, uh, the top keepers are doing what they're supposed to do, except uh, Edward Mendy. Edward Mendy only had a couple of fuck-ups. It's, yeah, like, but it's like it's like they already took him off a couple packs. He's no longer a top goalkeeper because he let in a few goals in. Right. Well, I think the thing is because, as, as I mentioned a couple of seconds ago, is that the title race is so close, and City and Liverpool are finally kicking into that gear where you could see them win the next seventeen matches in a row. There are, you know, both of them in their last five are five wins. Uh, Chelsea is the one who's been struggling with only three wins in their last five. And, I'm not lost putting that on Edward Mendy. At least not right. Well, at the, one of the losses was absolutely on him, though. The, their last loss against West Ham was absolutely on him. And so you expected the um, Masuaku go to go in because I wouldn't have. 
not that well the one before then even so i think the west ham loss you could pin on him for sure not saying that he's the biggest factor as to why they're out of form everybody's pretty much out of form but he's out of form and the that those three points could be the difference come season's end as we know how city and liverpool can get Heard you've seen you, you know so I, I think i think obviously he's a he, he's still a top keeper i'm not going to disagree with you there no that's but, what i'm saying like people are already saying he's not he's no longer a top goalkeeper like he's already like off like just all right he had a fuck up and then the then against leeds letting two goals automatically he's shit like no that's what i don't shit. get about certain people yeah you know he's definitely not shit that's obviously jumping the gun but i will say uh to counterpoint and you know to top on the other side for a second it's a very fine margin that when you're the premier league those things can matter at the end of the season and you know unless obviously somebody goes on to win by 10 to 12 points and it doesn't matter with it being this close. And I imagine it'll be this close for the remainder of the season. Uh, those are the kind of things that you look back on like, man, I done fucked up. You know, if they win that match against West Ham, they're top of the table, you know, a point clear of Man City at this point, but they're sitting third off of a very bad mistake. But yeah, I mean, I think, and also another point is Ronnie, when, you know, it's kind of like when you're a great employee, you come into work 30 minutes early every day. And then the one day you come in on time, people are like, damn, you're late. You know, with Edouard Mendy, the way he was playing coming into Chelsea at the end of last, at midpoint of last season and kind of having seven or eight clean sheets on the spin, winning the Champions League, just really putting himself out there as, you know, one of the best goalkeepers in the world or, you know, part of the, one of the best defenses of the world. And when you sort of fall down from that level, you know, you kind of get roasted for it. And he's getting the butt of that joke. I, I, I think he's definitely... A, I wouldn't say he's gotten comfortable. You struggled in a couple games, but that doesn't instantly make you no longer not one of the top goalkeepers in the world. Some of the mistakes are kind of bad, though. I'll be honest. You know, and those are the things that obviously David De Gea fell into, and he's fell off from greatness. No, in such but a that's way. the difference. David De Gea had a had a howler of a season last year. Now he picked it up, right? Where he can be labeled one of the best goalkeepers in at least the Premier League. Edward Mendy had a couple fuck-ups. I don't say he's no longer a top goalkeeper in the Prem. Yeah, and I'm not going to – like I said, I'm not going to disagree with you that he's not a top goalkeeper in the Prem. He very much still is. But it's those fine margins. Those are the things – and especially at a club like Chelsea, man, that shit hurts. Uh, it's the very fine margins, and especially when it's like a very noticeable bad mistake, something that could have been avoided. You're gonna have, he's going to He's going to have to eat that one there. Going to have to eat that. Chelsea do live to fight another day. They're very much still in this. Like I said, only two points off the top. Uh, only one point off of Liverpool. This is a title race if I've ever seen one. This is, you know, if if Edward Mendy can help it, obviously, this may not be the last. This probably won't be the last thing that you remember at the end of the season. But it could be. With that being said, yeah, I think there was, you mentioned the Arsenal match. That was your match of the week. Pierre Aubameyang, I think the one thing we have to point out real quick, he was not in the lineup. Not even on the bench. And according to Mikel Arteta, it was from some disciplinary reasons. Mind you, this is the second time this has happened. This happened against Spurs in the North London Derby. He was apparently late to training or late to the uh, you know, the team meeting or something like that. And uh, Arteta went ahead and put him on the bench. So it might be some smoke between them two. But for him not to even be on the team sheet at all... And our, when asked about it, Arteta said, I cannot say anything now, guys. <laughs> and you are not going to get anything else out of me that happened in the dressing room. Obviously, I tried to explain the reasons why. And I could have gone uh, in a different way. Um, so we know Arteta doesn't have an issue uh, having smoke with players and ostracizing them from the team. We saw with Wendoozy. many players. We saw Wendoozy. Ozil, obviously, we saw, obviously, that could have been many other things aside from the fact that he was being allegedly beefing with uh, Arteta. Um, but, yeah, man, can Aubameyang fall into that category, especially for the fact that he's not also been informed for quite some time? He might. Is he already in that category? He might. He comes across as a man with a short fuse. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, to the press, to the players, to everybody. But uh, he clearly, I think, is trying very hard to make it like I have a vision and a plan and you have to fit this vision and plan. And it didn't work out. It seems so far for Aubameyang, who's been struggling, even when on the on the pitch. Um, but Arsenal would not miss that as 
they would beat Southampton 3-0 on, uh, on uh, Saturday, bouncing back from that loss against Everton. So that's even got to be worse for uh, Obama, I think, with them winning by three goals to nil against Southampton in the way that they did. They looked very comfortable aside from the first 20 or so minutes, but they looked very comfortable. And now they're up three, nothing. Aubameyang's nowhere to be found. He's at home watching this shit heated. Um, But things could get ugly there as Arsenal now sits sixth in the, in the Premier League. Notice I'm not talking about Spurs because that match was also canceled for some COVID-19 reasons against Brighton and Hope Albion. Ronnie, move us away from the Premier League before I break down the next eight matches. The title race in Spain is over. The title race in Spain is certainly done and dusted. If it wasn't dusted last week, uh, Real Madrid continuing their win streak. Can't beat them. Can't see them. They're flying. And um, Sevilla are the only people who may have a chance. And that's a shot in hell, ain't it? Literally a shot in hell. At least there's no 20-point drop-off between fourth and fifth. At least right now. <laughs> That's the only thing we're holding hope for. Because <laughs> that shit last season was like, wait, what the? <laughs> what is this? So, you know, it is uh, relatively early, more, more or less halfway through. It is absolutely early. Uh, but Real the, Madrid, the classic stereotype, the classic trope is with uh, however many point gap that is, eight point gap in yeah, December. Four. Yeah. Yeah, it's over. <laughs> Wrap it up. <laughs> four, four points to do for you in La Liga in December. That, that, that used to do it back in the day. So, um, But, yeah, I mean, Real Madrid dispatching of their, you know, big rivals and little rivals. We saw them uh, cook Barcelona in El Clasico, if you want to call that Barcelona. That's just Barcelona, right? <laughs> <laughs> That's definitely Barcelona. Um, but this weekend, obviously, uh, it was the uh, Derby de... Madrileño. I was going to fuck that up. Thank you for saving that, Ronnie, because I was going to say something something completely different. Atletico Madrid and Real Madrid would link as, um, it, I wouldn't say it was a comfortable game for Real Madrid, but they did take their chances and did fend off any sort of Atletico um, sequences and moments of play where they looked like they were threatening and, as the announcers say, vaguely asking the questions. Um Real Madrid win the match 2-0. Benzema gets a hell of a goal. Beautiful volley. Um, and, yeah, they're getting they're, they're beating all their quote-unquote rivals. The defending champions had nothing for Real Madrid today on Sunday day recording. Spencer is doing the happy dance. We're going to talk about another top-of-the-table clash. A featured match in the weekend predictions. Real Betis disrespecting the shit out of Real Sociedad. Ass whooping galore. Uh, it was abuse on abuse. Is, this, is now a good time to mention that? Our good man, Spence, Mr. Data Desk himself, using the numbers and the algorithms, went ahead and posted up the first ever undefeated week in the Misfits <laughs> Predictions Horns. Air Horns are undefeated. <laughs> God damn. Yo, Spence, let me get some of them algorithms, bro. Why are you keeping them to yourself? <laughs> he, he told us the algorithms. Um, you want to tell the good people before we do? <laughs> he definitely did. <laughs> yeah, I could tell them. You guys could tell them. <laughs> I got you. So, so Spence, and and I quote, let me just pull up the text because this shit hit me like a ton of rocks. I go lie. So Spencer says, the only reason I picked Real Betis, he would have went 4-1, which we've seen done before. Still very impressive after going 0-5 the week before. But, however, he says, and I quote, the only reason I picked Real Betis is because when I spelled Sociedad, I spelled it so wrong, my phone couldn't autocorrect it. So I just picked Batiste. <laughs> so cool. Hey, listen, man. Whatever gets it done, gets it done. And uh, Spencer got to give hats off. My man's just 5-0. and oh, First ever man to post it in the Misfits prediction. Will this be some momentum for the Spencyclopedia Britannica? And can he make a push uh, for the top spot? You would hope no. I absolutely would hope no. I'm trying to make a comeback. I, I was... If it wasn't for this week, I would have caught Spence. I went four and one. I would have caught his ass, and he had a he had a little five zero piece. God damn it! <laughs> God damn it! it caught me slipping. Ain't that some shit? But neither here nor there. Um, I should one more thing one from that match. Um, ahead, just sent y'all the link. Pretty dope to see. That <laughs> what is going on here? <laughs> Real Betis has this tradition around the holidays where they have a teddy bear toss at halftime, and all the teddy bears that are tossed from the stands are donated to charities in Spain. I love this shit. 
This is unbelievable. I gotta be honest. I love it. This though. is American, but it's in La Liga, so I love it even more. Excellence. It's raining teddy bears. Look at this shit. Can't be can't be mad at that. No, I love this. I absolutely love this. The Premier League would have huge issues with this, but yeah, that's like the that's like West Ham blowing bubbles, but just like with way bigger, fluffier dolls. Yeah, man. So so many teddy bears, man. I'm gonna just come out and say this is a good list thing to do. Facts. I'm with Go you. Go to Real Betis game in December to toss teddy bears. I am with it. Oh yeah. I have one more point in La Liga, real quick. Barcelona. Not even you. I'll let you take that one. I'll let you take that one. Mine's is, uh, of course, y'all know I've been keeping up with the newly promoted Radamel Falcao led. <sighs> The white and the red, Rayo Vallecano. Unfortunately, they took a hell of a loss this week. <laughs> As uh, Villarreal whooped their ass. It was a 2-0 ass whooping. Rayo still sitting sixth, and I should mention three points ahead of Barcelona. So, ain't the worst. Who drew to Osasuna? Ronnie, get into it. Get into it. They drew to Osasuna. Another one of those games where Chabi's just looking at him like, this is Barcelona? Motherfucker. Spectacular fashion the way they drew. You can make that shit up. Nico, I think it was his first goal for Barcelona. Came in the twelfth minute. Osasuna drew right away. <laughs> there was a handball in the second half that an apparent handball deflected by Busquets starts up a Barcelona counterattack, and Barcelona scores a second goal. Um, the guy is. Abde was the name on the back of his shirt. I think that was his yep. first Abde. as well. Yep. Abde is a Luli. He's a 19-year-old kid. So Chavi really pulling up the uh, the young the youngsters, if you will. They need it. But yeah, absolutely. There's a two 19-year-olds that scored today. But damn near at the end of the match, Osasuna levels it and it ends 2-2. Barcelona dropping points whence they can. Sure enough. It was scenes for real. And Chavi, like, as you said, it was sitting there like, God damn, this is this, this ain't no Barcelona. This is Barcelona fan. They've um, been pretty harsh this season. As Barca still now they uh, they sitting pretty in eighth place. Not any higher, not any lower, but god damn. Out of the Champions League, sitting in eighth place in La Liga. It's looking ugly. Let's transition leagues. Serie A. We have a new leader. Inter Milan. Four nothing winners over Cagliari. You told me Alexis Sanchez scored. I, I could not believe it. Yo, and Alexis Sanchez scored a banger of a goal too. That's the crazy part. I was like, wait a second, who is that? I think it is Alexis Sanchez. Mentioned a lot of great goals this weekend and we in midweek. Alexis Sanchez's goal was another one of those. Lautaro Martinez will get a brace. He would start. He would start the scoring off. Could have had a hat trick. And missed the penalty. Inter Milan, one thing that they're having, some penalty-taking problems. Somebody's got to be their main man, and I don't know who it is because Lautaro's missing. It could be Talanoglu, but I don't know. Speaking of, I'm speaking <laughs> of goals that were crazy this weekend. He channeled his inner Damari Gray. He said, fam, how did you do that? <laughs> <laughs> Absolute firecracker of a goal. Uh, since the Milan Derby, he's been in unbelievable form. And Cagliari, unfortunately, had to deal with real rap as that ball came all the way from like 27 yards out. Uh, absolute rocket. And, and Inter Milan rocket themselves into first place ahead of the team that they share a stadium with, AC Milan. As Napoli, god damn, must be three losses on the spin uh, in, in, in uh, the league there. Or they haven't won since November 28th. <laughs> um, as uh, they took a loss to Empoli today, which put them down into fourth place, even behind Atalanta. Madness. You go from top to fourth just like that. Serie A is that close. Uh, as I mentioned, first place Inter Milan separated from fourth place Napoli by just four points. So it's anybody's, anybody's uh, league to win as Juventus are just trying to get into the Champions League. Like, fam, come on, y'all. I'm right here. You mentioned Atalanta. I could also make a case for that being a game of the week. Giovanni Simeone scoring early, and then not long after, Miranchuk levels it, and Miners gets the winner. Atalanta loving what they're doing. They're 
They're not taking things lightly. They're still making a push for Europe. They're in the Europa League, but they're still looking for a Champions League spot. So shouts to Atalanta, Juventus. They've been struggling, like you mentioned. Fiorentina, they washed. Um, I'm going to let you say the name. Oh, thank you, Ronnie. I appreciate that. It's not its not many times I'll be able to say this after this season's over because they're certainly going back down with a minus 26 goal differential. Oof. I'm talking about Salernitana. Ooh, love saying that. Love that. Salernitana. <laughs> <laughs> love that. That's fire. Oh, man. Okay. On the Atalanta point, I mean, they're five wins on the spin domestically. And... Um, Obviously, we talk about the Champions League form. But five wins on the spin domestically. They're only three points from the top. Forget getting into a Champions League place. This could be the season they make it all the way. Who knows? Mm. This very much could be. every Everything is possible in Serie A right now. AC Milan's out of Europe. Inter Milan's still in the Champions League. Obviously, I think there's a lot of good coaching going on as well. Simone Zaghi's got Inter Milan continuing to play very well, very dedicated football. Very attractive football. Alexis Sanchez, as I said, is scoring goals. Um, Napoli, first 11 matches, they were untouchable. Atalanta for the next seven matches have been untouchable. It's anybody's title. If they're out of those four, if it can't be Juventus, who'd you want to see, Ronnie, to win? I, I I am on record of saying Napoli. You're making a good game for Atalanta. I would love to see that too. Um, Because another big team winning it, Inter winning it again, Milan winning it. Um, I, I like the little guys. Yeah. I would go for Napoli or Atalanta. What, what AC Milan could be considered a little guy haven't won it since 2011 at this point. Yeah, but Manchester United haven't won a Premier League in since how long? And they're still considered a big guy? Yeah, and the, their fans won't ever let you forget it. <laughs> exactly. So <laughs> Fair enough, fair enough. Yeah, oh, Atalanta yeah. I don't think have ever won. They've never won Serie A. And, and Napoli, as we, we spoke about a couple weeks back, last time they won, Diego Maradona was there. So Hey, man. This season might be the season for that, and I hope it is. Absolutely. Speaking of champions being crowned, hey, air horns. Hey, man, we're living in a city of champions. Ooh. Okay. Uh, let me go on record saying this is the first time in my life that I've seen this in, in the place that I live in. We're living in a city of champions. In Major League Soccer, New York City Football Club won MLS Cup. They defeated the Portland Timbers on penalty kicks after a 1 1. Draw. Now, I was with Spencer to watch this game. I got to give credit to Spencer. The man said, after it was one nothing, New York City, nice goal from Valentin Tati Castellanos. He smelled a goal coming. This was about like five minutes ago. He smelled a goal coming. Felipe Mora did just that for Portland. So I don't know if Spencer was some type, but well, Spencer did go 0-5-0 this week. So Spencer has the plug. He he's got he doesn't have the juice. He has the sauce, and that lasts forever. Once that match goes into extra time, we don't say shit to each other. We just watch the shit, and we're dreading it because we could have been home by then. But then penalties came. Sean Johnson, the NYCFC goalkeeper, came up big. Four two was the penalty result. New York City FC wins MLS Cup. Yeah, to be fair, that it was a very entertaining match. I can imagine was. y'all were sitting there like, damn, it ain't over yet. But yeah, it was very entertaining. It was. The officiating, regards of who won or not, wasn't the best. Okay, it led, it led New York City to a championship. It did, yes. How embarrassing is it that the Red Bull have been in MLS for as long as the league has been around? And a team that's only been here for seven years. As Spencer knows, you know, lifelong fan. <laughs> they won MLS Cup. Yeah, it sounds BS of the decade uh, worthy. You let a team who uses your city because they don't have one really win MLS Cup. Ooh, it's got to hurt. It low key hurt me a little bit when I saw the headlines of the New York sports papers. They talk about how trash the Giants and the Jets are. And like in small <laughs> print, NYCFC MLS wins the championship. We'll see how much they love uh, the city loves the team uh, after this quote unquote parade. Which leads me to that time, OV. Ooh, wait, okay. By that time, I mean, based on my my watch, it looks like it's BS the week time, fam. <laughs> I think it is. And I'm willing to redact this BS of the week 
The game was over 24 hours ago, and there is no word on a parade here in New York. Eesh. I have a tweet from the New York City Mayor Bill de Blasio, who's about to be out of here come January. History has been made. Congratulations to NYCFC for showing the world that NYC grit and determination wins every time. Bring that cup back to New York, and we're ready to celebrate with you at City Hall. See you Tuesday. Very open-ended tweet, very ambiguous. Nothing about a parade. Yeah, like, who, who are you seeing on Tuesday, fam? I'm confused. Like, that's all I want, just, just a parade. But no. It's looking like we might not have that parade, just a City Hall celebration. And again, if plans come after this episode is has dropped that there will be a parade. I'm willing to take back this BS of the week. Until then, the mayor gets a tentative BS of the week. You had a BS of the week that had to do with MLS Cup as well, Ovi. Absolutely. Mine's is uh, staying in uh, staying stateside MLS Cup final. As uh, the pre-match uh, festivities were going on, I guess uh, organizers of the match, the producers decided to bring a life-sized, actually way bigger than life-sized, uh, rendition of the MLS Cup, which I believe is actually a really pretty trophy. Um, and as they're wheeling it into the middle of the pitch with the MLS Cup logo underneath, uh, a bunch of uh, players and um, I won't say players, a bunch of organizers, producers, whatever the case may be, are sitting underneath it. They're wheeling in this um, maybe styrofoam or cardboard looking MLS Cup, huge, giant uh, MLS Cup. And Maybe it was the wind, but something somehow <laughs> made that thing tip over <laughs> and fall. <laughs> Hope it didn't fall on anybody, but that shit looked uh, hilarious, uh, to say the least. It don't make uh, American footy, not, I won't say it makes it looks the best, but even something such as this is uh, cause to laugh at. So uh, BS, BS of the week, fam, come on, y'all couldn't keep the cup upright? <laughs> I didn't notice that until you sent the video. It's so sad, man. So funny, though, too. <laughs> Factos. Did you have something else? Uh, yeah, I guess I did have something else. It's not the biggest, but it was a brief exchange between former teammates, Steven Gerrard, current Aston Villa boss, and Michael Owen, current who knows whatever he does. After the Liverpool-Aston Villa match in which Steven Gerrard came back to Anfield to... Folks clapping his name, clapping, uh, uh, chanting his name, you know, just showing him absolute love. Obviously, they're through and through the club's biggest legend, um, unless Mohamed Salah has something to say about that. But uh, Gerard, in the opposing team's dugout, still got shown some mad love. Uh, they would try their best on the pitch, but Liverpool beat them courtesy of a penalty, as we spoke about after the match. Gerard seemed to be in pretty good spirits. They didn't get their ass whipped by a team that be doing some ass whipping. And uh, was speaking to pundits on, I believe, the Premier League channel, one of which was Michael Owen, his former teammate. Michael Owen said something to the effect when he was speaking to, to Stevie G, uh, who was just on the pitch as soon as the match was over, saying something to the sort of, you know, I always hated coming back to Anfield as an opposing player. And uh, Steven Gerrard, you thought maybe he'd be, you know, not in the best spirits having just lost, but he had a response for Michael Owen. <laughs> And it happened very fast. He said, and I quote, if I played for Man U, I would hate coming back to Anfield too. Uh, to which Ooh, the- air horns, LV, 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 air horns. <laughs> That's all you needed to say and destroyed Michael Owen. That's all. Big facts. As we all know, Michael Owen uh, used to be a Liverpool uh, quote-unquote legend, left, and ultimately after- he won the ball on door, didn't he? God damn, he was balling. <laughs> he was balling. Um, but at, at, at some point, ended up back on Manchester United uh, in 2009 um, on a free transfer. And uh, Liverpool fans who you know hate Manchester United, you could say big rivalry, uh, was like, yo, you fuck out of here with that shit. You ain't no Steven Gerrard. Don't put yourself in the same category as Steven Gerrard. <laughs> and Stevie G was quick to remind him, fam, this is my hood. Don't try that shit around here. But BS of the Week, Michael Owen, move low, fam. Hey, man, I feel like all of our BS of the Week are in England. Because I'm going to the <laughs> game for this one. Let's go.
y'all may or may not have seen the viral clip of a pitch invader on Chelsea's women's ground in their Champions League match against Juventus. But Sam Kerr was not having it. She blindsided the pitch invader, hit him with a line check. She could play hockey any day. She could be a linebacker any day. She got a yellow card for it. Now, fam, there's 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 a um social media proverb that goes, play stupid games, win stupid prizes. And that pitch invader was looking for it. <laughs> yeah, he sure was. <laughs> the fact that some people have a problem with this because it's women's football is crazy. But when Virgil Van Dyke muffed the fan during this his pre his post match interview for the Netherlands. No problem with that at all. Okay. But, yeah, he deserved it. BS of the week to the referee, Sarah Persson. She's a Swedish referee. BS of the week to her. By the way, the match ended scoreless between Chelsea and Juventus. Chelsea are top of the group right now on 11 points. Juventus on eight. Looks like both of those teams are going to the quarterfinal, though Wolfsburg are in it as well. So, that is it for me, BS of the week. And again, another friendly reminder, we have BS of the year coming. We need you to help us out. Send us all your BSs of the year. Y'all better come correct with some big bullshit. That shit better stink. <laughs> and it'll be on the BS of the year special come the last week of December. So definitely be a part of that. We'd love, we enjoyed it last year. We're definitely looking forward to it again this time around. Yes, sir. That being said, Ronnie, would you want to go ahead and sign the boys off? This has been episode 71 of the Football Misfits podcast. We thank you all for getting in touch with us, for listening to the podcast. We will be back for episode 72, which is right around the corner for the good brother LV. For Mr. Perfection 5-0 Data Death Spence, I go by the name of Ronnie. Until then, get your BSs of the year in. Enjoy your footy. Adios, everybody. Woo! BS of the year on the way.